Uh, we're going to start a brand new series today, um, and we're, it's called Hope. And we're going to be talking a lot about mental health, right? Um, you guys know that I'm a therapist, and so this is a, a topic that's really near and dear to my heart. But I think it's also timely for us to talk about some of this because we see it every day. We come in contact with it every day. We see people all around us, and we experience it as well. And so I hope that this is something that's going to really speak to you and touch your heart. I don't know exactly what all we might get into with this thing. Um, we'll just kind of have to see as it goes. And if there's certain things that you'd like to know more about and like to hear about as we get into this, let me know. And I'll try to weave that in as we go. Um, but, you know, there's, there's this violent battle that's going on in all of our lives. Uh, it's 24 hours a day. And it is a battle for our minds. Right? The battle is always for our mind. It's vicious, it's intense, it's unrelenting, and it's unfair. Right? And one of the reasons is because Satan doesn't fight fair. Right? He uses everything in his arsenal to get to us. Uh, and as it relates to mental health, right, he knows how to push on certain areas of our life. And I'm certainly not saying that Satan is the cause of all mental health stuff, but I think he is able to weave his way into some of this stuff uh, as we experience stuff that maybe is in our family and things like that. So uh, one of the reasons it's so intense, though, is because our greatest asset is our mind, right? It's our mind. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen someone who can't function correctly in their mind. That's hard, right? And maybe you've been to a place where things were really cloudy and things were frustrating. Even if you get a headache sometimes, you can't think clearly if it's bad enough, right? I know some of you have probably experienced that. I know I have. And it's debilitating. So Satan can get our mind, right? If he can use things to get our minds, then he can get us, right? Whatever gets in our mind can get us sometimes. So uh, one of the most important lessons that we can really learn as a church and as people is learn how to guard our minds, learn how to protect our minds, learn how to to strengthen and renew our minds, right? The battle with sin always starts in the mind as well. I'm going to take a look at the scripture today in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. This is what the Bible tells us. You can see it up on your screen. For though we live in the world, we don't wage war like the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world, but on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we'll be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. So the Bible talks about our job is to demolish strongholds. Right? I want to talk to you a little bit about that. What in the world is a stronghold? That sounds like a really churchy word, right? A really deep churchy word. Uh, so what is it? A stronghold is something as simple as a mental block. It's something that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Something that tries to be stronger than our relationship with God is. And the Bible tells us that we need to demolish those and tear those down. Uh, strongholds might be one of a couple of things. One, a stronghold could be a worldview that we hold. Uh, how we see the world around us, right? We get a lots of ism words like materialism. Right? The desire to get lots of stuff. Hedonism, uh, Darwinism, secularism, re relativism. Right, Everything is relative. There's really no truth. Right, No standard. It's all just relative. We've probably heard that one before, I bet. 
uh, communism, atheism, and all the other isms that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. So a stronghold can be a really a strong worldview that we might hold. Any worldview that really doesn't line up with the Word of God and what God says that we need to hold a belief. Second thing is, a stronghold might be an attitude or it might be a way of thinking, right? How we see ourselves, how we see ourselves, right? And certainly how we see the people around us. Could be a personal attitude. It could be this attitude of constant worry. I'm worried about this and I'm worried about that. And what's going to happen if this happens, right? I know this one personally. Uh, and certainly, uh, it might be uh, it might be uh, the need for constant approval, right? We run into people sometimes that's always the needing approval. They don't feel secure about themselves. So that can be an attitude, a way of thinking. That can be a stronghold in your life. Uh, walking around feeling guilty. Uh, maybe this is you. Maybe it's someone you know, right? Someone who's always constantly apologizing. I'm sorry. I messed up. Sorry, right? I feel guilty. Uh, one of the interesting things that I've heard recently about research is uh, sometimes uh, the need for constant apology is also a, a symptom of anxiety. But we're so anxious that we're always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, we're waiting for someone to be mad at us about something. Uh, attitudes of, of guilt and resentment, right? And just insecurity. We could just go on and on and on and on and on about all these different strongholds in our life that can really set themselves up against the knowledge of God, right? What does God say about us, right? If we look in His Word, we, we understand He loves us. He cares about us. He wants the best thing possible for us. His ways are not our ways, right? He's got this great plan for our life. And sometimes we sabotage the way we think. We sabotage what God says about us by the way we think and the way we feel. So what do we do? Let's take a deeper look at the last phrase in that scripture we just read. It says, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, what in the world does that mean? We're going to take something captive... Right? We've got to conquer it, right? We've got to control it. We've got to bring it into submission. You think about a soldier out in the battle, right? You think about the soldier who goes out there and he's out there at the enemy and he captures the enemy. What does he do? He gets the enemy, he makes the enemy submit, right? He jails him up, he locks him up. The enemy falls under their power. So, as we follow that biblical command to take every thought captive, we're going to bring those thoughts under control and under submission. And that begs the question, well, how do I do that? Right? I don't know about you, but my mind doesn't always do what I tell it to do. Right? I might say to my mind, mind, quit worrying. Stop worrying. It's not doing you any good. What does my mind do? It just worries anyway. But what about this? And what about that? Right? And then I call Ricky. I'm like, Ricky, how do you not worry about everything? Right? Anybody else have that question? I do wonder that. So anyway, we, we get these, these constant thoughts in our mind. You know, I tell my mind, hey, we've got to pray right now. I want to pray. And then my mind just wanders off. Right? Not getting much praying done. Or maybe I tell my mind, hey, don't think about that. That's no good. What? And what does my mind do? It doubles down and says, no, we've got to think about that. Right? Just because you said it's not a good thing to think about. Paul talks about this over in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 7, verse 15, he says... 
Paul says this, this great theologian, this guy who, who loves the Lord and who is a strong Christian, right? If you want to know of a strong Christian in the Bible, somebody who has uh, things sort of figured out, man, we look at Paul, we look at his life, because we know he had this great conversion experience, and he came to Jesus, and, and his mind was blown, and now all he wants to do is serve the Lord and preach the gospel and do all these good things. And then he says, I don't really understand myself. <laughs> I want to do what's right. But I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. What? Boy, what a revelation for some of us because we've been saying that all along, right? I can't figure it out. I keep wanting to do good and I keep telling my mind to do good things and then it just doesn't. Right? Paul struggled with this same type of thing, this really strong Christian. But Paul goes on and explains, if you get into that scripture and you begin to look at it, Paul tells us why it is the way that it is. And he says, it's because of our humanity. It's because of our sinfulness. It's because we're flawed. And nothing really works in this world the way that it should. And in fact, nothing has really worked the way it should since the fall in the Garden of Eden. Right? We can go all the way back there and know when sin entered to the world, a lot of other yucky stuff kind of came along with it. The Bible tells us about that in Romans chapter 8 and verse 20. It says, against its will, all of creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Right? There's death and decay in our world because of that original sin. And we know that all, cre all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit inside of us as a foretaste of future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. Right, Even as Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living in us and we have this strength and we have this, this great wealth of knowledge that we have in the Word of God, yet we still groan inside. We still have this desire to be released from this pain and suffering. Where did that pain and suffering come from? It came from the original sin. Right, The Bible tells us that uh, because one man sinned, death passed upon all men. Right, And we've all fallen short of, in, of the glory of God. What does that mean for our minds? Let's go a little bit deeper here and thinking about this. How does original sin affect us? Number one, original sin infects us. Right? You think of that word infection, like a disease. Right? That original sin got into our DNA and it altered us from God's original plan for our minds and for our bodies. God's original plan was for us to be well and for us to be whole. Right? And for our minds to work exactly the way our minds are supposed to work. Right? Um, God never intended us to be walking around feeling depressed and feeling worried and fearful and anxious and, and hurting and having this low self-esteem and feeling really inferior. That, that wasn't God's original plan, but that sin, that original sin infected, right, the DNA, right? Uh, we know that many times mental illness might run in the family, and this leaves a person predisposed to mental illness just because, just like if you have high blood pressure that runs in your family. Right? Or you got a sugar problem that runs in your family. What? Why is that? Because our DNA was affected from the very beginning. Number two, original sin affects us all because sin entered the world. People are born with that sinful nature. And so, uh, as a byproduct, they make sinful choices. They make bad choices. They make poor choices. That might translate into poor parenting. It might translate into neglect. It might uh, translate into abuse of others. Right? And then we're impacted by these choices that other people make. 
right? That parent who has has had that terrible experience now, she or he might know not know how to parent us because of the pain they felt, and they just keep passing it along from generation to generation to generation, and then that pain continues to work in in our lives. And those hurtful words that we experience, they translate into low self esteem, and that childhood abandonment that turns into a lack of self love. Right? It's really interesting that when a child is abandoned, the child doesn't stop loving the parent. They stop loving themselves. Amen. All of that moves and grooves because of that original sin that happened a long time ago. It also affects us all. Right? We think about death. Right? That wasn't in God's original plan. But now death passed upon all men and God in His mercy doesn't let us live in this fallen world forever. But when we experience death, it hurts and it's painful. We have tragedy. We have disappointment. Right? Those effects cause us deep pain inside. So back to our question. What are we supposed to do? The Bible says we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That last part, I think, is key. Obedient to Christ. Not necessarily obedient to ourselves because if we really look at it, our standards are not always God's standards. Right? If we think about that word obedience for a minute, it means to make compliant or put it in agreement with. So what we really need our thoughts to do is come into agreement with the thoughts of Christ. We need our mind to come into agreement with the Word of God. We need, we need to be telling ourselves the same things that God says. right? If God says you're good and I love you and you're great and you're awesome and you can do it, guess what? That's what we're supposed to be telling ourselves. right? Amen. When God says you're forgiven, you're washed in the blood, I, I don't even remember that sin anymore. That's what we need to be telling ourselves instead of walking around here feeling guilty and, and terrible all the time and letting Satan beat us up over stuff that we mess up on. We need to bring our thoughts in agreement and compliance with the thoughts of Christ. So today I want to give you a few principles to really think about. How do we do this? What do we do? And what ways can we do it? Number one, don't believe everything you think. <laughs> don't believe everything you think. We probably all heard that don't believe everything you hear. But did you know that we all fall guilty in believing much of what we hear? Research shows that usually people believe what they're told, especially if it comes from an authority figure or if they don't have time to really think about it. Someone might tell us a wild story about something that we know little about, but because they seem like they should have knowledge, guess what our first impression to do is? We believe it. We believe it. We accept it as truth. Right? How many of you were told that cracking your knuckles will give you arthritis? Yeah. Guess what? There's, there's nothing that really can prove that that happens. It might cause some swelling, but it doesn't cause arthritis. What about this really? We probably all heard this. Getting into the pool after you eat is, after you eat is going to give you cramps. You need to wait at least 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Heard that one? Uh-huh. Right. There's no really scientific proof to back that up. Right? Um, it it's, might not be a good idea, maybe. I don't know. But it, even now, it's like I see the research, but it's like, but, but I was told. I was told don't get in that pool, right? Right. So even when we know the truth about something, sometimes it's really hard for us to release ourselves from old beliefs. 
Right? And we do the same thing as stuff comes into our head all the time. Right? Our first impression usually is to believe whatever pops into our head. Because it's inside of us, so maybe it's true. That can cause real problems for us mentally when we don't manage what we think. Right? Our mindset sort of gets distorted. And we have these ways of thinking that are not really all of that healthy. Let me give you a couple of different ways of thinking that people use. Maybe you use them. Maybe this will resonate with you. Right? One common thinking fallacy or, or distorted way of thinking is this all or nothing thinking. Right? We either believe everything's fantastic or everything's terrible. Right? You're perfect or you're awful. There's no middle ground. Right? People that are think that think this way, they use words like always and never and failure and winner. Right? I always lose the game. Maybe you hear your kids use some of this sometimes. I always lose. I never win. Right? I never get what I want. Right? I feel that way sometimes. Right? I never get it. Right? So we have that, that way of thinking that can really mess us up. Another one is this overgeneralization. Overgeneralization. We overgeneralize. So we take one or two experiences and we form a belief about it. Right? So I set out to do some business or I set out to do some educational piece and I fail. And maybe I fail again. And now I form this belief in my mind that says, well, I failed a couple of times, so that must mean I'm going to continue to fail. I'm going to continue to fail. I'm going to continue to mess up. Right? Bad stuff will probably keep happening because it's happened in the past. Right? And we get stuck with that kind of logic. And it keeps us from really doing and being the person that God wants us to be. Here's a third one. Uh, it's called mental filter. Mental filter. We tend to focus on a negative experience even though there are lots of positive ones. And maybe you've met someone like this. Maybe it's your spouse. Right? Maybe you're thinking, I'm doing a lot of good stuff, but I didn't take out the trash, and I can't get, quit hearing about that. Right? Because they focus only on that one bad thing that you did. You didn't take the trash out. But I did this, and I did that, and I did that. Sometimes we focus on that one wrong thing, or that one little negative piece of information that we get, and we tend to forget all the other positive things that are going on around us. Here's another one. Right? Now maybe I'm meddling a little bit. I don't know. What about jumping to conclusions? Right? Mind reading. This can be a real relationship killer. Okay? He didn't respond to my text. He must be mad. Right? He must be upset because he didn't respond. Right? Maybe he's busy. Right? Maybe he had to go to the bathroom or something. Right? Right? Or, or, or we think about, you know, Maybe you're a public speaker. Uh, this one gets me sometimes. The dude on the front row falls asleep. <laughs> and you're just like, don't go to sleep. Right. He falls asleep and you're like, I must be a terrible speaker. Right? You tell yourself that lie. It may be that this dude hadn't slept all week and you have a soothing voice or something. right? And he just needs some rest. Right? But we take things and we distort them. We mind read. We look at people and we, we make judgment calls that may not necessarily be true. And then it leaves us feeling really negative inside when we do that. Or another one is catastrophizing. Catastrophizing. 
We imagine the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen. Right? It's always the worst thing. Right? I messed up at work, so now I know absolutely I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. I didn't do that one thing right. Now I'm going to get fired. I didn't do my best. And now everybody's going to look and see that one little thing that I messed up on. They're going to say, wow, they did a terrible job. We catastrophize about things. We're always looking for the very worst. But what about this one? Should statements. We say to ourselves, well, I probably should practice more. I should pray more. I should read my Bible more. I shouldn't be so lazy. I would be further along in my life if I would do this and if I would do that. And then what happens? We do that long enough until we feel depressed. Or we do it at other people and they resent us. Right? You should be doing that. And you should be doing that. And you should be doing that. And then the last one here, emotional reasoning. You have to be really careful with this one because emotions are so very strong. Right? Sometimes we think to ourselves, it must be true because I feel that it's true. Right? I must be really stupid because I just feel that way. I must be a really boring person because I just feel that way. Listen, guys, sometimes you can't trust what's happening right here. Sometimes you can't trust what your emotions are saying. Right? That goes right back to our scripture. It says we need to bring it to the obedience of Christ. We need to make sure our thoughts, our feelings are lining up with the Word of God. Otherwise, we're going to end up with stuff we don't necessarily want. And those thoughts and those feelings can come from all types of places. The world puts suggestions in our mind all of the time. Right? It makes suggestions about success and money and power and all sorts of things. And it says, well, if you want to do this, then you've got to be this way. And you've got to have this. And you've got to do that. And Satan puts suggestions in our mind. Right? The Bible tells us that he's the very father of lies. So he's constantly looking for ways to lie to us. And sometimes he's really slick and he'll use just a little bit of truth to get us fed in and then give us a greater lie. He's always lying about something. And then our life experiences play into our mind as well. And this is a really big one, right? If you've experienced rejection in the past, your mind is going to do something to try to protect itself from further rejection. So this group rejected you, so you automatically believe that the next group is going to reject you. And you build that wall up in your life to keep anybody else out, uh, keep anybody else from getting in so you can't get hurt. If we've been emotionally wounded in the past, our mind is going to think it's going to happen again. But just because one person hurts you does not mean that another person will. So, don't believe everything you think. Secondly, we need to learn to guard our mind from garbage. Guard our mind from garbage. Right? I guess we've all heard that old statement that says, garbage in, garbage out. Right? It's been around a long time. As we think about things popping into our mind from different sources, we need to understand that we, we don't always have control of what pops in and out of our mind, but we do have some control. <clears throat> Proverbs 15 and 14 says this, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, but the, food, but the fool feeds on trash. It's true about what we eat, and it's true about what we allow to come into our lives. You might go to a nutritionist, and they will tell you there's usually three categories of food. One, you can get brain food, 
that food helps you get a little bit smarter. You can have some junk food, and that food usually helps you get a little bit fatter, right? Or you can have toxic food, and that stuff can kill you, right? We can think about the same kind of thing as we think about um, the, the materials that we allow into our minds. Some of that material, you know, we do these studies, and we do all types of things. We might read books, we might watch uh, pro- some programs that really just educate us, and and bring us some good stuff. It's kind of like brain material, you know. But then there's some junk out there, like like you know, uh, cartoons, sports, family sitcoms, things like that. You name it, right? But then we know there's really some toxic material that we can really get inside of our head that we need to be careful about, right? So we have to be so careful about what we allow uh, to get into our head. And sometimes I think that we just chalk it up to being fake, fun. You know, just entertainment, right? We would never invite somebody over to our house uh, to commit an adultery in our living room, but we allow it to come through our television screen, right? We wouldn't allow somebody to come and and murder somebody in our living room, but we let it in our houses all the time and we let our kids watch, right? It's hard to hear, but we often chalk it up to fun and fake, and it's just entertainment. But what we end up doing is we desensitize ourselves to all the things around us. We desensitize ourselves to murder and all this other host of of sinful type behaviors. And we allow the values of the culture around us to end up being our standards. We don't mean to, but it just happens, right? It kind of, Satan is really crafty about letting things kind of weave into our life. Right? So if we want to guard our minds and bring it to the obedience of Christ, we're going to have to ask ourselves some really strong questions. Does Jesus approve of what I'm watching? Does he approve of what I'm listening to? Right? Uh, is this something that he would want me to see? And I'm not saying to us that we need to go hide under a rock somewhere, right? And never go to the movies or never have entertainment. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying this. We're kidding ourselves if we don't think some of this stuff affects our lives, affects our children's lives, affects the culture and the society around us. We're kidding ourselves, right? As we take in more and more toxic information, right, we see toxic things happening. It wasn't maybe a year ago, the big show came out, I think it was on Netflix, and it was really promoting uh, suicide and self-harm and stuff among kids. And we see this insurgence in the school of suicide notes and and self-harm. And then we wonder, well, why does that happen? Well, hello. It's because what we allow to go in our minds comes out in our behaviors. So we need to really be careful. And we need to make sure that we're not allowing garbage to continually being poured into our minds. Number three. If you're struggling in an area uh, of your mindset, get knowledge about your struggle. Get some knowledge about your struggle. Knowledge is power, right? We've probably heard that most of our lives. In John 8 and 32, Jesus said this. He said, you will know the truth and the truth will do what? Set you free. That's right. So as you learn that truth and you learn that stuff that God wants you to learn, then you can find some freedom, right? If your thoughts don't line up with the words of Christ, right? If you're constantly telling yourself, I'm no good, I'm a terrible person. Everybody hates me. 
Right? If you're feeding that stuff in your mind or you're letting that go into your mind, you need to get some knowledge and figure out why do I have these unhealthy thoughts? Why do I have these unhealthy fears? Right? The Bible talks about us being full of joy, being full of the presence of the Lord. So if our experience is less than what the Bible declares we should be having, we need to check it out. You know, if you're worried all the time and God says you don't have to fear, you might need to do a little research on what you're feeling and experiencing. Listen, and I know as a church, sometimes we've heard in our, in our Christian life, be careful what the rest of the world is saying. Be careful what science says. Listen, science and the Bible don't have to conflict. Right? Sometimes they can fit together like a, a, a glove. Right? God gives people knowledge to learn about this stuff. Right? Well, I can read the Bible and I know God says don't be afraid and don't be anxious and don't be fearful. Sometimes I need a little help. Sometimes I need to know some strategies. Right? So I've got to get some knowledge. All right? So if I'm anxious all the time, how do I get myself in a better rhythm? How do I slow myself down? Yeah, I trust God. Yeah, I trust His Word. But I might need to learn how to, to, to do a little bit of deep breathing every once in a while. I might need to learn how to communicate about what I'm feeling inside and get it out of my system. Right? So don't be afraid to get some knowledge. Right? Number four, let other people help you. Let other people help you. Proverbs 27 and 17, the first part of that verse tells us that iron sharpens iron. What in the world does that mean? Well, that means we need each other. Right? I might be dull in an area. Ricky might be sharp. Right? So we work on that. And I get knowledge that he's got. And maybe he needs the knowledge that I've got. And we help keep each other sharp so we can face the struggles and face the battles. Right? So don't be afraid to go talk to somebody, whether it's a friend or whether it's a professional. We need other people to make us stronger, right? We need to teach each other how to be strong in areas. And then our last one, the last thing we can do to help guard our minds and keep our minds safe from some of this stuff is to make a covenant with our mind. We can use the, the word think to kind of nail this down. First thing, the T stands for this, test every thought. Test every thought. Psalms tells us, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's anything in me that's offensive and lead me to a way everlasting. Right? So, you might not have time to, like, be thinking about every thought you have. Right? you got to get things done. But if you've got really negative thoughts coming through all the time, you need to test those thoughts. Sometimes we just let our, our, our brain just think whatever it wants, and we just believe it. Sometimes we've got to stop and say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem quite right. I need to test that thought. And if it doesn't line up with God's Word and what He says about me, I need to challenge it and say, no, nah, man, I don't, I don't think that thought's true. And then we have the H in thing. Helmet your head. Helmet your head. Put on the helmet of salvation. Until we have Christ in our life, we don't have any protection against all the fiery darts that Satan's always throwing at us. Right? He's always trying to plant this and this. We need to guard ourselves with Christ. Right? Ask the Lord to guard our mind. The eye is this. Imagine great things. Right? God gave us this great imagination. We need to put it to work. Imagine great things in your life. Imagine the possibilities that you might have. Think about the promises of God. 
Everything is possible to him who believes. You know, as we believe the promises of God, we can know that there's nothing that we can't do without him. Right? I can believe what God says about me. And then there's the end. Uh, nourish a godly mind. Nourish a godly mind. Make sure you're growing. Right? The Bible talks about studying the commands and studying and, and reflecting. Right? There's some good things out there. Right? Don't just allow unhealthy stuff to come in. Put some healthy things in there. Right? Put some, um, some good teaching. Right? Put your, your iPad on or whatever, your iPod. Put some good teaching in your ears. Right? Uh, replace unhealthy stuff with healthy things. Sometimes we just try to take out unhealthy things in our life. So, right, you want to stop eating cookies? Right? Stop eating cookies. And so I say, well, I'm not going to eat any more cookies. If you don't replace them cookies with something else, guess what? You're going to go back and eat the cookies. Right? Put some, get you some grapes or something, right, to replace that. The same thing is true with unhealthy stuff we allow to get in our mind. We need to put some good stuff in there to replace it. Makes it, makes it easier. Some good music, positive words, encouraging teachings. And then lastly, we have our K. We need to keep on learning. Keep on learning. Right? Learn about your struggles. If you have anxiety, learn some good tools to defeat it. If you struggle with depression, learn why. Is it a family thing? Is it an environmental thing? Is it stuff from your past? What is it? Learn about it. Like, listen, guys, this is a battle for our mind. But the good news is, is we can win it. We can win it. I'm really excited about diving deeper in here with you over the next few weeks and talking about some of these struggles. Um, I'm going to try to bring lots of things to you from a mental health perspective as well and talk about the ins and outs of some of these things that we face, Right? Lots of us deal with certain things. Uh, anxiety is a really big one, right? I see that a lot. I experience that myself. Uh, depression, right? Some of us have talked even about seasonal depression and experiencing some of that. So I want to hope, hopefully to bring you some good knowledge about some of these things. And then as well, making sure that we know what God says about all these things as well. So I hope this is going to be a big help to you as we keep going. Let me pray for you this morning. And uh, we'll have a song, and if you want to come and pray, you can do that too. Lord, we love you. And Father, I thank you so much for your word. And I thank you, God, that um, you're always good to us, you love us, you care about us, and you want good things for us. Lord, it is such a struggle uh, to keep our minds where they need to be, to keep our minds stayed on you and thinking about positive things. Sometimes our mind wanders, Lord, and it goes to places it doesn't need to go, and Lord, we have struggles in our mind. We worry. We fear. God, we uh, don't feel secure. God, we, we forget who you say that you are. Lord, and that you can help us. We forget that too. And God, we are asking you as we launch into to this series that you would teach us, Lord, from your word. Help us to get some good tools for the struggles. And Lord, help us to, to have hope. Lord, help us to have hope and help us to bring hope to others. We love you so much. In Jesus' name. Amen.